from NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey, castaway Tom Hanks, I'll be your friend. I'm Bill-son! <laughs> Bill Curtis. And here's your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all so much. 2018 is finally over, and you thought you would escape scot-free, but just when you thought you were out, we're going to pull you back in. On today's show, our own highlights of the year gone by. Someday, you're going to look back on all of this and say, no way that happened, but we've got it on tape. <laughs> Here's some of the key news moments of 2018 as interpreted by Bill. Your first quote, Lynn, is a trenchant observation about the current complex debate about immigration. Why are we having all these people from old countries come here? Wow. You know, someday he's going to have a library. <laughs> Lynn, who was that? Donald Trump. Yes, Donald Trump. This week, we finally got Trump's equivalent of JFK's ask not what your country can do for you moment. But it was more like kids ask not what the president just said. <laughs> Look, we, we can't really say the word the president Trump used to describe countries in Central America. And but we can. Why don't we, uh, why don't we just pronounce it phonetically? Shithole. Shithole, yeah. yeah. That's a good idea, actually. Shithole. Shithole. He said shithole. He also said, after disparaging the people from those countries, uh, he said he preferred immigrants from Norway, yeah. possibly, because he had just met the prime minister of Norway the day before, and it went really well. She seemed very white. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'd be more offended if I was Norway at this uh, point. I'd be like, oh, uh, God, yeah. no. Yeah, we're yeah. the country he endorsed. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, there's one thing that made us, well, I'll just say a little melancholy about this otherwise very interesting news, is that it happened the week after the true legend of NPR, the, the greatest voice we've ever had in our airways, Robert Siegel, retired. So he did not have a chance <laughs> to say that on the air. Oh. Oh. However, we are fixing that now. <gasps> yes. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, here is Robert Siegel. Why are we having all these people from whole countries come here? There you go. You know what's amazing? What? From him, it sounds almost like it's I a good know. question. I know! <laughs> you really, the way, I mean, you're so used to hearing him do interviews, you want to say, well, Robert, the reason is. <laughs> I ate all the leftover lasagna in my fridge. I figured that if bleep was about to hit the fan, I better carb it up. That was one of many people in Hawaii last Saturday talking about how they reacted to what distressing news. The a nuclear warhead false alarm. Yes, that they were all about to be killed in a nuclear holocaust at around 8 in the morning. Yes, that's great. <laughs> Terrifying, but false alarm. At around 8 in the morning last Saturday, everybody in Hawaii got a text on their phone reading, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. <laughs> oh, that's fun. And it turns out that... 
It was all a false alarm, of course. It was caused by a technician who picked the wrong item from a drop-down menu. This is true. Like one choice said, send test message. The other said, drive an entire state into panicked terror. <laughs> and he picked the wrong one because he was also playing HQ trivia on his phone. You know how it is. Carb it up. I've never heard that phrase before. Yeah, well, carb it up. extreme situations call for extreme yeah, solutions. Carb it up. Did he plan to carb run? No, well, what was interesting was uh, internet forum Reddit asked for people to say, you know, what they did during that terrifying 38 minutes before they got the news that it was a, it was a false 38 alarm. Minutes, 38 wow. minutes, people thought that they were, might die. Uh, you many know what people, I would do? what? I would call Verizon. <laughs> because I think you could get through. Because nobody else would be doing it. Right, exactly. There's not going to be like a long, you know, you're, you are, you know, you are 56th in line waiting for it. Joe, for your last quote, please listen to this list that was put out by Delta Airlines. Comfort turkeys, sugar gliders, snakes, spiders, and more. That was part of their press release announcing a new policy from Delta in which they are banning what from their airplanes? Weird pets. Not weird pets so much as animals that are classified as what? Oh, service animals. Exactly. They are doing something oh about God. all the fake service animals. Yeah, yeah. Finally, people have been complaining about this for a while. And yes, they say that people have, in fact, brought on board their planes all the animals that Bill just listed. Seriously, guys, comfort turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> comfort spiders, of course, that makes sense because if you get agitated, they have all those legs to stroke you to calm you down. Have you ever seen, I fly a lot, and I've, I've just seen dogs and cats. Have you guys ever seen any of these? Yes, I mean, I myself travel with a comfort boa constrictor. <laughs> yeah. Sure. For about uh, the last uh, almost nine years, I've been traveling with an uncomfort child, <laughs> uh, which has made traveling very difficult. <laughs> Your last quote, Laura, is from the head of the food and beverage conglomerate PepsiCo, and she's talking about women. They don't like to crunch too loudly in public, and they don't lick their fingers generously. Those were the comments that got everybody excited this week about her company introducing what potentially great new product. That would be Doritos for women. Yes, Lady Doritos! Very well done. Oh, it was so exciting. It was a beautiful dream. Indra Nuyi, she's the CEO of PepsiCo. She did a podcast in which she talked about female preferences in regard to snack food, uh, like their product, Doritos. And she said women don't want crubs in their hands and they don't want loud crunching. And more than anything, they don't want chips that Doritos explained to them. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody was excited because everybody was like, oh my gosh, Pepsi's introducing Lady Doritos, Doritos for her. But it turns out not to be true. Uh, PepsiCo put out a statement. They said they're already Doritos for ladies. They're called Doritos. <laughs> so, Peter, here's one thing they could do. Yes. You know, Doritos are triangle-shaped. They are. Those of you who like me, I like to get the big bag and finish it in one sitting. Yes. What happens the to big the grab? roof? The big one. Yeah, yeah. The big grab. What yeah. happens to the roof of your mouth? Yeah. On those points, it really, really, they can actually embed in mm -hmm. the roof of your mouth. If you're, if you're eating a lot of them yeah. at once. And you are. And you are. So that is something I think they could work on. Yes. If it were more, more rounded, stackable. You or, know, or a mouth guard that came with it. I'm oh, <laughs> great idea. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm glad you, you outed yourself, if you will, as a Doritos fan, because <laughs> one of the other things that she said about women who enjoy Doritos and snack foods is they, that unlike men, they don't like to do the thing where you pick up the bag that's almost empty and you shake all the little crumbs and debris. Nobody has how, to do that. How do you think I got this eyeshadow color? <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn, here is your next quote. I started this when I was so young and inexperienced. That was one of the excuses offered by a guy whose company, turns out, sold all our data without telling us. What's the company? Facebook. Yes, Facebook, Facebook indeed. <laughs> it, it turns out Facebook is good for three things, posting baby pictures, humble bragging, and subverting democracy. <laughs> so this company is called Cambridge Analytica. They ended up working on Donald Trump's campaign. They stole the personal data from 50 million Facebook users, and they did it by asking people to download a quiz app. People were thrilled to do it, and because of that, Trump is now president. Yeah. There's a direct line between you needing to know if you're more of a Rachel or a Monica, <laughs> and the fact we're on the brink of nuclear war. <laughs> but what are they gonna do? Like, what are they, they're gonna find my Facebook memories about the quinoa I had last year. Like, what do they do well, with uh, your I, You just got into quinoa here's, last year? Yeah, man. <laughs> You're missing out. There's so many grains. <laughs> well, quinoa's, we're, we're into farro now. Uh, so, <laughs> this is precisely no, why Russia wants to destroy Exactly. <laughs> and why we deserve it. So, people are talking, the hashtag is delete your account because people are so angry about Facebook's betrayal that people are saying, well, I'm gonna quit Facebook on principle, but if you do that, how can you tell your friends that you just quit Facebook on principle? <laughs> I know, I know. So, and Zuckerberg apologized, basically, Yeah. right? He says, we're sorry, we didn't understand, we didn't handle it well, we assure you it's gonna be better now. You know who wouldn't have done this? Who? Tom from MySpace. Exactly. <laughs> you know, man. It's true, man. Here, Josh, is your last quote. It's from New Age musician Yanni. <laughs> I may be biased, but all I hear is Yanni. He was, of course, weighing in on what great debate that tore our nation asunder this week. Oh, it was like Yanni or Br Bruno? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. It was Yanni or Laurel. Laurel or Yanni. You remember years ago, the internet was consumed by the great gold dress versus blue dress debate? But that was back in a more innocent time when we had no real problems. <laughs> now that the world is on fire, we've moved on to more important things. <laughs> Whether a computerized voice is saying Laurel or Yanni, especially when it's obviously saying Laurel, what is wrong with you? Oh, yes. Oh. What'd you get? Oh, so, Laurel. It's Yanny! Oh my goodness! I'm surrounded, people, America! It's Yanny! It's Laurel! It's a high pitch, low pitch. Thing. Yes, yes. And I'm 63 years old and I've been using power tools all my life and I have no high end hearing. Yeah. And I was happy to hear Laurel. Okay. <laughs> so. It's actually interesting. You can play with the audio to hear the differences. So we've, if you pull out all the high frequencies, if you just remove them, it sounds like this. Laurel. Laurel, right? Pretty clear, yeah. right? But if you isolate the high end, it sounds like this. Yeah. See? And if you remove everything but the bass notes, you get this. Bill Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. 
When we come back, our never-before-heard bluff game with active cultures and, just like me, another public broadcasting host who occasionally wears a Star Trek uniform, LeVar Burton. That's coming up in a minute on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Strava, voted the number one running app five years in a row by the Running Awards. Strava is a tracking app, a training log, and a global community of active people just like you, running around in circles mostly to keep themselves from shouting at their children. Strava is free and works with almost every phone and GPS watch. Go to strava.com wait, download the app, and get going. If you love this show, then check out LifeKit, tools to help you get it together. Learn everything from how to invest your money to how to get in an effective workout. Check it out in Apple Podcasts or at npr.org slash LifeKit. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. So, you may think that 2018 was a complete disaster, and you might not be wrong, but what if there were things that happened this year that you didn't know about? What if we told you that we recorded a whole new Bluff the Listener game at Carnegie Hall in December that's never been broadcast before? See, if this changes your mind about the past year, here we are with panelists Alonzo Bowden, Tara Clancy, and Tom Bodette. This is Allison calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, how are things in Raleigh? Uh, we are cold. <laughs> really? Not, not too, but yeah, what's cold in Raleigh? You know, well, cold is in the 40s. <laughs> you have all of our pity and sympathy. Am I right, New York? <laughs> yeah, we feel terrible for you. What do you do there? I uh, have a macaron business where I make uh, French macarons. Oh, you have macaron. Oh, I see. Like those, the, like, because I grew up eating Jewish macaroons, which are terrible. <laughs> Yours are better, I assume. These, these, I can guarantee you, are better. That's good. And is there, is, is there a market for French macaron in Raleigh, North Carolina? Yeah. It's, uh, I just started six weeks ago, but it's... Well, welcome to the show, <laughs> Allison. It's, a way, it's a way to bring home the bagels, if you will. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> My God. We've changed it already. It's working. <laughs> Allison, it's nice to have you. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Allison's topic? Yo-gurt. Yogurt. It's the stuff you toss out okay. to get to the fruit and sugar paste in the bottom of the cup. This week, yogurt made the news in a surprising way, and our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling you the okay. truth, and you'll win our prize, the weight waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. First, let's hear from Tom Bodette. Exclusive Swiss resort and spa, Dummheitenhaus, is famous for innovations in the field of overpriced and useless therapeutic experiences. <laughs> Their signature vegetable yoga, or Gemusenstrecken, has been an especially popular offering. Employing Jamaican juggling beats and a yoga mat of hand-laid cabbage leaves, it is both challenging and restorative. It became more challenging and less restorative when yoga master Courtney Hochstetler, at the request of management, introduced yogurt yoga, using the resort's gourmet house yogurt to build the bed of cabbage leaves with layers of grip-defeating goop, also applying it to each other's skin as a bonus moisturizing treatment. The idea, said Hochstetler in a bad German accent, was... <laughs> 
to add the release of friction into our practice and to sell yogurt. Friction, it turns out, is essential when juggling beets on a pile of free-floating cabbage. Doomheiten House regular Sarah Dory of Portland, Oregon, who initiated the class action suit against the spa, <laughs> said, I pulled the groin muscle in my first class, but I did have the lowest side straddle ever, then separated my shoulder when I fell in third class. One Belgian man left with a broken nose after his downward dog became flat on your face dog. <laughs> And an entire party of Japanese tore their meniscuses, meniscai, doing the goddess pose. All of them. Veggie yoga changed my life. Veggie yogurt yoga changed it back. <laughs> Veggie yogurt yoga brings lawsuits where it is practiced. Your next story of yogurt on the go, Gert, comes from Tara Clancy. Ah, the wonders of Greece. The Acropolis, the Parthenon, Delphi, yogurt. Lest you laugh, Greek yogurt is in fact about to join the ranks of those renowned antiquities as a town outside of Athens has recently erected a sculpture to honor the now worldwide dairy sensation. Town resident Nicholas Argopoulos commented on the astronomical rise in popularity of his country's once relatively unknown product. Quote, years ago when I would travel, people would say, oh, you're from Greece, the birthplace of Western civilization. But now it's, oh, you're Greek, good yogurt. <laughs> Sparing no detail, the stunning six-foot-tall statue depicts an open individual serving-sized plastic yogurt cup, complete with standard toppings, including intricately crafted enormous slivered almonds and bronzed blueberries the size of basketballs. Naturally, there were some residents opposed to the artwork. Alex Alexopoulos commented, what's next, a giant bronze souvlaki? And his sister, Athena, added, when we said we hoped for a renewed interest in our culture, this is not what we meant. <laughs> a memorial celebrating Greek yogurt in Greece. Your last story of yogurt comes from Alonzo Bowden. Roommates, you can't live with them and you can't pay the rent without them. But when you can't trust them, it's time to go full on CSI. An unnamed student, who we'll call Kathy CSI, attends Chinese Culture University in Taipei. She had five housemates and one delicious cup of yogurt just waiting for her to get home and enjoy it. Imagine how upset she was when it was gone. She found the empty yogurt in a trash can. Thievery 101 teaches us, get rid of the evidence. But apparently one of her roommates hadn't taken that class. But which one? Only one way to find out, fingerprints. She took the retrieved cup to the police, but they couldn't find a usable print. But this is 2018, and we have DNA testing. Some say it was a waste of resources spending $500 for five DNA tests to find the thief of a $2 yogurt. But those people never had a yearning for yogurt only to come home and find it wasn't there. Besides, the police lab needed the practice using their DNA test kits, as there isn't much crime around the Chinese Culture University. Kathy had offered her roommates the opportunity to confess, but no one cracked. 
but as they say on cops, what you gonna do when they come for you? <laughs> Faced with undeniable evidence, the thief cracked and is facing theft charges. Hopefully those charges involve paying for the yogurt and not for the DNA test. Police put the crime down to live criminal culture. <laughs> All right, one of these stories about yogurt in the news is true, was it? From Tom Bodet, someone tries veggie yogurt yoga, which goes hilariously and possibly actionably wrong. From Tara Clancy, the, the nation of Greece has realized one of their great treasures that they've given to the world is Greek yogurt, and they've built a memorial to it. Or from Alonzo Bowden, a student is so incensed that somebody stole and ate her yogurt that she gets a DNA test done to find the culprit. Which of these is the real story of yogurt in the news? Hmm. This is a really difficult one to yo-play. But I'm going to go with C because I've, I've been there, not to that uh, extent. It does not make me miss my college roommate days, but I totally, I totally believe her and I sympathize. You're choosing Alonzo's story of the yogurt thief who was caught only through high-tech DNA testing. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we have spoken to a reporter who covered the true story. Nobody owned up to having taken the yogurt, so we took the bottle down to a local police station. That was Caitlin Hitt. She's a freelance reporter for Thrillers talking about the great stolen yogurt caper cracked by DNA evidence <laughs> in Taipei. Congratulations, you got it right. You're in the points for Alonzo. You've won the voice of your choice for you. You've done fantastically well. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, and thanks for playing. And even though I made fun of macarons, I would like some if you want to send them. I definitely will send you some. Thank you so much. Take care. We've been doing this show for a long time, and we've talked to a lot of celebrities, and we've gotten a little jaded. Oh, look. It's John Hamm. <laughs> but everybody at Wait Wait was geeking out when we were visited by one VVIP, that's very, very important person, a hero of both outer space and public broadcasting. LeVar Burton himself joined us in March with panelists Adam Burke, Amy Dickinson, and Rashawn Scott. So am, am I right? Do you get like an array of recognitions from people depending on their demographic and age? I do. There, there are these three sort of touch points uh, in my career, and, and I, I'm lucky enough to have uh, hung out for over 40 years. Yes. And I just refuse to go away. Well, it's worked out well. I want to ask you, so I saw you uh, for, because I was watching Roots when it was broadcast in the 70s. Uh, in which you starred, and I'm told that was your first acting job? It was my first, Roots was my first professional audition. Wow. So wow. How some, old were you? I was 19. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. And, and were you like, oh, this acting thing, it's easy. Well, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 but, but, but then reality set in, and, and, and so did the rejection, and so. Well, I was wondering about that, because like that, I mean, this was the biggest television event in history. Mm. And so I assumed that afterward your ticket was written. You'd and start. so did I. <laughs> <laughs> You've done so many wonderful things that people have loved, but I love this. 
Uh, we looked it up, and after Roots, you had a number of credits. You did The Love Boat. Yes. You did Fantasy Island. I did. I, in my own defense. Yes. On Fantasy Island, my father was played by Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, my God. Oh. Uh, I've got to do this one, one more thing I'm going to ask you about before we get to the, the, the good things you've done. You appeared on Battle of the Network Stars. Many no. times. You really? Yeah. And this was a thing we used to do in the 70s. It was. Um, it was athletic competition between celebrities uh, as uh, filmed entertainment for America. Yeah. So was it like you and Loretta Swit doing a 40-yard dash or like... Exactly right, Amy. Oh. Exactly right. <laughs> Swit was his nemesis. <laughs> I imagine there must have been more cocaine on those sets. <laughs> just to get through the day. That was, that was the track line. <laughs> Eventually, it must have been 86, 87 that the new Star Trek uh, started up. Mm -hmm. And you were recruited by none other than Gene Roddenberry was, himself. Yes. That was amazing. The guy who started Star Trek way back when. It was tremendously exciting. I'm a huge science fiction fan. And um, Gene Roddenberry's vision was one that really meant a lot to me. It said, when the future comes, there's a place for you. Seeing the Shell Nichols on the bridge of that ship Aww. meant that when the future got here, there was a place for people who looked like me. And you were like, someday, um. I will be able to kiss William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have done. <laughs> I was not aware of that. That wasn't during Battle of the Network Stars, was it? And as a matter of fact, Adam, it was. <laughs> um, one of you, of course, played Jordy LaForge, the, the chief technical officer. I'm not quite sure. Hey, the chief engineer. Excuse me. <laughs> and, and one of your specialties was uh, delivering probably the most amount of what the fans call Trekno babble. Yes. Um, and can you remember off the top of your head any of those things you had to say? No. <laughs> if I remember correctly, half the time the problem was neutrinos and you fixed it with tachyons. Pulses. That's pulses. right, Adam. Yes. That's right. Adam. Right. That was like, I would almost play Star Trek bingo like with my brothers. Like, it's going to be a tachyon pulse. <laughs> All during that time, you were also doing this kid show on PBS called Reading Rainbow, mm -hmm. in which you, you yeah. and Kid. Oh, wow. Butterflies in the sky. Yeah. I can go to twice as high. <laughs> do you think? Do you think you could? You're, you think you're so good at that that you could instill a love of reading in the president? You think? You could? <laughs> oh, good question. The man has gone on record as saying that he does not like to read. <laughs> right. And I believe him. Yeah. <laughs> Shady under this reading rainbow, LeVar, it really is. Well, LeVar Burton, we are so delighted to talk to you, but we have asked you to play a game we're calling... Welcome to Jordy Shore, Jordy. <laughs> now, as you may know, Jordy, which was, of course, the name of your character on Star Trek, is also the nickname for the people from Newcastle, mm -hmm. a town in the north of England. Did you know that? I did, yes. Okay, we did not know that. We found it out. And, uh, and apparently Newcastle, the area, is a lot like New Jersey because MTV set their British version of the reality show Jersey Shore in a house filled with Geordies. Okay, it's called Geordie Shore. So we're going to ask you three questions about that TV show, Geordie Shore. <laughs> 
answer two of them correctly, you win a prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is LeVar Burton playing for? <laughs> Adam Page of Brooklyn, New York. All right. The cast members of the show have become much like their American counterparts, uh, legitimate celebrities in Britain with endorsement deals and even products to sell. Which of these was a real Geordie Shore endorsed product you could buy? Was it A, Geordie Ore, a 30 pound chunk of raw iron autographed by the cast? <laughs> B, Lo de Geordie, the world's first ever kebab scented perfume? Or C, a soda called Cola to Newcastle? Oh. I'm going to go with C. You're going to go with C. Cola to Newcastle? Yes. No, it was actually Lo de Geordie. <laughs> <laughs> A perfume that was scented like kebabs, which apparently was their favorite thing to eat. I don't oh. know. You still have two more chances. Some of the cast members have gotten so famous uh, that they've written memoirs, including star Charlotte Church. Her autobiography was called what? A, Behind the Fake Tan, B, The Diary of a Shallow Girl, or C, Me, Me, Me. Ooh. I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with A, Behind the Fake Tan. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, you have to remember these people are sort of on TV because they are narcissists. What I meant to say was, see me, me, me. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, last question. If you get this right, you win. Many of the stars of Geordie Shore went on to star on other British reality shows, including which of these? A, The Prince and the Shav, in which a member of the actual royal family switches places for a week with a commoner. B, X on the beach, in which men and women try to strike up romance at a sunny resort while their exes are there to try to sabotage them. <laughs> or C, the great British snake-off, in which contestants compete to clear clogged drains. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with B. It's B. Yay. <laughs> well, how did, how, how did LeVar Burton do on our quiz? Well, when you get down to the roots of it. <laughs> He won! Congratulations! <laughs> you can add this to your incredibly long list of achievements. Right to the top of the exactly. CV, man. LeVar Burton has been entertaining and educating generations of people for 40 years. His new podcast is called LeVar Burton Reads. LeVar Burton, thank you so much for being with us. LeVar Burton, everybody. When we come back, we pose favorite questions to our favorite panelists to get our favorite answers. And Crazy Eyes herself, actor Uzo Aduba, answers our questions in a completely non-threatening manner. That's on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from Zip Recruiter. You know what's smart? Kicking 2019 off by determining which roles your business needs to hire for. And when you're ready to hire, Zip Recruiter can help. Their technology finds the right people for you and actively invites them to apply. That's why Zip Recruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. based on hiring sites with over a thousand reviews on Trustpilot. NPR listeners can try Zip Recruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com/wait. What's unique about the human experience, and what do we all have in common? I'm Guy Raz. Every week on TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey through the big ideas, emotions, and discoveries that fill all of us with wonder. Find it on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. So, 
So we were trying to change your opinion of 2018 before the cement sets. It wasn't all bad. We had some pretty good times around here. Here are some of our favorite questions we put to our panel over the years. We'll start with what asked by guest host Helen Hong. Adam, an outdoor restaurant in Australia whose patrons were being harassed by seagulls, has solved the problem by giving them all what? Well, I have no idea, so I'm just going to randomly say water guns. That is true! I knew that one. That is correct! <laughs> Super soakers! Can you believe this? The Three Sheets restaurant, as in three sheets to the wind, guys, in Perth was facing an unusually bad seagull problem this spring, so as a last-ditch effort, they addressed the issue by arming every table with super soakers. It was much better than their first idea, serving buffalo-style seagull wings. I'd pay $10 to watch people shoot seagulls without any food. Yeah, I know. That sounds like a great... I would go to Three Sheets. Doesn't that sound yeah, fun? Like absolutely. a video game come to life? Yeah. You know, we had raccoons in our mulch pile for a while. <laughs> and This so, sounds related. So, <laughs> so we're out with a super soaker one night, and they uh, it was like a clown car. There were like... There were going to be five... Big old raccoons in my mulch pile, and they all come lumbering out, and they waddled down the street pretty quickly. And I'm like, "There, took care of that, you know." And then the next night, I look out, and there they are again. And this time, I took out water balloons and I pelted them with water balloons. And now, like eight, ten of them come out, you know, and they waddle down the street. And then I realize we're in the middle of a terrible, terrible heat wave. They must be going back to their buddies and going, you know, tomorrow night she's going to have a, a water slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was providing an amusement park, a water world, if you will, <laughs> for raccoons. And in the same way, I'm not sure that just a little bit of water in your wings is going to put off a seagull. Don't they go in the ocean? <laughs> If you it's like an animal show and a little bit of Gallagher mixed in. Yeah, I don't know. I, I question the food there that nobody notices. Oh, my it's, gosh, my fries are soup. soaked. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly drinks, yeah. These drinks are really a- watered down. <laughs> Maeve, research out this week by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission shows that thousands of Americans had to go to the hospital in 2017 <gasps> because of injuries caused by what? Oh, waiting so long on the phone to their medical insurance? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thousands had to go, oh, so did they, oh, taking a selfie, they fell into the Grand Canal. That. Or the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon, that. (laughs) Thank you. Some of the audience was like. You are a stranger (laughs) to these parts, are you not? (laughs) Well, it turns out, I mean, the danger of this, we didn't know. It turns out you really should not combine pineapple and pepperoni. What? What? Because the pizza man will hit punch you in the face and well, you. Well, you, you actually said it. The danger comes from what? Pizza. Yes, the answer is pizza. Pizza? 1,700 people. I'm sorry, I take that back. 2,300 people <gasps> in 2017 in America went to the emergency room because of pizza-related injuries. I believe it. You do? I believe it. I have been scalded very badly by oh. a piping hot pizza. That could be it. I've um, been scolded very badly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you dare. Yeah. Not well, again. As you say, uh, you're most on of your them... own. This is a family sized pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you guessed right, Helen. Most of the injuries are you, things you would expect burns from the hot sauce and cheese, uh, cuts trying to cut it, mm-hmm. uh, choking in that little miniature plastic table they give you. <laughs> 
other injuries are kind of embarrassing. This is true. Uh, one of the things that puts people in the emergency room is people reaching for a slice of pizza <laughs> while they're in bed and falling out and hurting themselves. <laughs> no. So be careful with your pizza, America. And remember, if the ambulance doesn't get you to the ER in 30 minutes or less, you die. <laughs> I wonder if, like, here in Chicago, because isn't there, like, the deep dish? There is. Like, has there ever been, like, an infant lost in... It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad way to go, but embarrassing for the parents. I think so. <laughs> Helen, a big scandal at the U.S. Open this week. Many are saying a woman should be shunned, shamed, or even sent to jail after being spotted on the television broadcast of the match doing what? She was... Can I have a hint? Uh, well, some people like barbecue sauce. Some people like it sweet and sour. She was oh. eating chicken nuggets. Well, she was, but what was she doing with them? That sounds really lewd. Um, she was not eating chicken nuggets. She was eating chicken fingers. You're right. Okay. But it's what she was doing with them prior to eating them. She was dipping them in both barbecue sauce and... <laughs> no. She was dipping them and then throwing them in the air and then catching them in her mouth like popcorn. She was throwing them at the players. <laughs> she was, she was, I, I, you're never going to guess, but I just enjoy you trying. Yeah. So. I, it's, I can't but imagine. But that's how unexpected it was. I, I know. Think. Maeve, do you know? Yeah, I saw it. She was dipping them in Coke. Yes! Yeah. What? She was... I know. You're shocked, aren't you, Helen? You never would have thought of that. That's even more lewd than what I was thinking. I know. <laughs> this and woman was seen dipping her chicken fingers in Coca-Cola and no. then eating them. No. Yes. No, no. That's insane. You don't... You can't do that. You have to... If you want to be healthy, dip them in Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> What? Tennis fans were aghast at the spectacle with one claiming, I almost made a noise. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think, you know, that poor lady, she was eating the way like we eat when we think we're alone. Yeah. And like, yeah. And, and four. And, and four, four years old. Four years yeah. old. And I just, I really felt for her because she didn't know she was on camera. She right. didn't. And this is hilarious because, of course, this woman became <laughs> a celebrity. And uh, she was interviewed, and it turns out she was there with her nephew's children, and she turned to them, this is true, before she started dipping the chicken fingers into the Coke and was caught on live TV, she turned to them and she said, don't tell anyone about oh, this. No. <laughs> 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 I mean, it did remind me of something that I do when, when I'm like trying not to overeat. I pretend that Michael Fassbender is watching me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just start why, stripping. Uh, why Michael Fassbender specifically? Because I'm he's like, a babe. A, he's so hot. He's yeah. the hottest. So I'm just like, oh, no more M&Ms for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I push them away like a lady. Is, really? that your, is that your Michael Fassbender voice? No, that's oh, my, my voice. That's my voice. You're sitting there. But is that yeah. the voice? that you will and, use and when so you use it, yeah, when you finally meet Michael Fassman and you're like oh no hello Michael <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Julia Child make yourself comfortable <laughs> do you want some pizza <laughs> be careful now it's up the side of the bed <laughs> you like to reach across me <laughs> Say 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Goldman Sachs. For insights from leading thinkers on the state of markets, industries, and the global economy, listen to their podcast, Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. You'll hear discussions on a variety of topics with far-reaching implications, from venture capital fueling innovation to the global shift toward renewable energy. That's Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play, and at gs.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Yahoo Small Business. With Yahoo Small Business, you can easily build a mobile-friendly website for your business, hobby, or personal need. In minutes, select a theme, customize, and launch your business idea online, no coding required. Get the website builder for free when you sign up for a subscription at smallbusiness.yahoo.com today. One of the reasons Netflix is now the biggest name in TV was the success of one of their first original series, Orange is the New Black. And one of the reasons that show was a success was Uzo Aduba, a sophisticated actor who played an absolute lunatic named Crazy Eyes. Uzo joined us in August and told us how close she came to quitting the whole business. I started auditioning for film and television and was getting a lot of no's. And on the day I auditioned for this one particular job that I thought, you know, I'd had a good audition for, I was crazy late. Like, anybody actor in the room, you know you're not supposed to be late for an audition. And I was. And I thought that was God, the universe, telling me that I was not supposed to do this and that I was in the wrong business. And all these no's were signs that I was supposed to be somewhere else with my life. And so I went home and I decided that I was going to quit. And I said, I'm going to order some sushi, I'm going to order some wine, and this is a celebration. And I'm going to go and become a lawyer. And I, yeah, I got the phone call from my agent that night and they said that you booked this job. And I said, okay. And I said, what's it called? And they said, Orange is the New Black. And there it is. There it is. And, and then, and, and pretty much lucky everybody. And did they, we also read that you had auditioned for one part and they said, no, 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 we don't want you for that part. We want you to for this other person named Crazy Eyes. Yes. <laughs> I auditioned for this part of Janae, who was a track star, and because I ran track in college and my agents and my managers thought like, oh, that makes sense. She should audition for this. And I'm, so I've, I'm always, like, curious what in my audition felt like she's not right for the track star, but she should definitely play this crazy girl. Yeah. <laughs> Did that worry you? Because, I mean, they were like, you know, there's something about that person. We like her, but we're yeah. worried she might kill us. Hey! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm going to confess something to you. I had not been watching Orange is the New Black, so I started watching it just recently. Okay. And, and you appeared, and I swear to you, I mean, I used to be in the theater. I know this is a mistake, but I was like watching and going, oh, how interesting. For that role, they found an actual crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. I'm sure. <laughs> so I, I have two questions. Do, when people encounter you, uh, do they assume that you are, in fact, kind of crazy? Absolutely. Yeah. And do you ever, like, indulge that? <laughs> It's the best way to get out of a bill, I tell you. I you know? but, uh, no, I usually don't because it's like I'm on the subway and I'm like, this is probably not the place. No, <laughs> when we talked to Edie Falco, who of course was on The Sopranos, and she talked about how she would sometimes hear from actual mob families about how much they appreciated mm. it. So do you ever hear from people who are in prison, who, are, who are, have been in prison? 
talking about your depiction of their lives? Yeah, we've definitely heard, of pe- heard from people who have been in prison, none who are incarcerated, but like Natasha told us a story, who plays Nikki Nichols, she told us a story once of running into a judge who was like, I have seen all of those characters come through my court, all of you are so real. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking, you, you mentioned that you, you're a trained singer, right? Yes. Yes, I don't know if this is true and I want to hear it. You were in uh, the live TV version of The Wiz playing Glinda the Good Witch. Yes. And we read that you beat out Beyonce for that role. (laughs) What's your question? (laughs) Is it true? Are you the first person in the history of the world to deny Beyonce something she wanted? I will... uh, no, con- no, I know is the answer to that question. There's no even dodge for that. No. I could ask you about one last thing, which is perhaps the role you might eventually be best known for in My Little Pony the movie. <laughs> what exactly was your role in that film? I played Queen Novo. Oh wow. Queen, yeah, Queen of the Hippogriff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have a cutie mark of any kind? Did I have a what? A cutie mark. <laughs> I, that's a good, you are very familiar with the My Little Pony. <laughs> is it also, is it true you beat out Beyonce for this uh, My Little Pony? <laughs> Beyonce's out there going, this Rumor woman keeps it. getting in my way. <laughs> Uzo Aduba, we are delighted to talk to you and, and honored in fact, but we have asked you here to play a game we're calling Private Eyes. They're okay. watching you. <laughs> So you play the character known as Crazy Eyes. So we thought we'd ask you about private eyes. Answer two out of three questions about private investigators and you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice, on their voicemail. Bill, who is Uzo Aduba playing for today? Ian Doherty of Adams County, Colorado. Okay. So here's your first question, Uzo. Okay. Most private investigators thrive on anonymity, but not Detective J.J. Arms, who became so famous he even had his own action figure in a guest spot on Hawaii Five O. What sets J.J. Arms apart from other P.I.s? A. He's a golden doodle. <laughs> B. He has two hooks for hands. Or C. He's an A.I. program running on an iPad Mini. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to guess B? You're going to go B, that he had two hooks for hands? You're Wait, right. what was A? <laughs> Yay! Yay! J.J. Arms lost his hands in a childhood dynamite accident. Okay. <laughs> and he went on to great fame in the 70s as a private investigator and even got a role as an actor. Uh, that's very good. Next question. According to a posting on the private investigator board on Reddit, a real-life private investigator was once paid real money to do what? A, discover the meaning of life. B, follow a guy's cat around and see what it does all day. (laughs) Or C, find the lost Ark of the Covenant. Oof. Oof, indeed. These are intense. I'm going to say, okay, B, I'm gonna go with B. You're right, it was B. His report was that it, quote, just walks around the streets, licks itself, and climbs trees. (laughs) All right, you could be perfect. Your last question. Bill quoted the song when we began this. Bill quoted the song Private Eyes, one of the biggest hits by the pop duo Hall and Oates. How did Daryl Hall and John Oates meet to start their legendary partnership? Was it A, 
Hall illegally tackled Oates during the 1975 Eastern Regional Ultimate Frisbee Championship game. <laughs> B, they met in the service elevator of the Adelphi Ballroom in Philadelphia while fleeing a gunfight between two rival gangs. Or C, oh, wow. Oates was getting his hair done, saw a picture of Hall taped to the mirror and said, make me look like that guy. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Ah. Uh... <laughs> B was, uh, they met in the service elevator of the Adelphi Ballroom in Philadelphia while fleeing a gunfight between two rival gangs. I don't feel, that sounds too Michael Jackson beat it to me. <laughs> I don't feel like that's real. <laughs> I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with A. They tackled ah! Is it A? <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to see how you got the role. <laughs> It was actually B, I'm afraid. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where Michael Jackson got the idea. Uh, they were young, they were at Temple University, they were at Battle of the Bands at the ballroom, a gang fight broke out, and they ran into the service elevator, looked at each other, and musical history was made. Bill, how did wow. Uzo Aduba do in our quiz? Two out of three, she questioned her instincts. I never do that. <laughs> Very never good. Never do that. Congratulations. Uh, Uzo Aduba plays Crazy Eyes on Netflix's Orange is the New Black. Season six is out now. Uzo Aduba, thank you so much for joining us. What a pleasure to talk to you. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary Dolio. Our interns are Catherine Coates and Zoe Lowenberg. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. Our program is seduced by Peter Gwynn. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our master of operations is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. The senior producer is Ian Chillock, while the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Thanks to Bill Curtis, all of our panelists, all of our guests, all of our listener contestants, and... One last sincere and infinite thank you to Carl Castle, who, in 2018, moved on to broadcasting from another plane. I'm Peter Sagal, and we will see you next week. This is NPR.